Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, the ADHD Lady. And this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a very bad word. And friends, this is a word that I can almost guarantee that you cuss at yourself with multiple times a day. Why, yes, I am talking about should, of course. Yes, should. You should all over yourself, don't you? No, seriously. Trust me, I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're thinking. I have been there. I still use the word should in my vocabulary, but I have changed my relationship with this word because it was not helping me in any way in the context I had been using it before. So we're going to spend some time chatting about that today and how you can start shifting that perspective, shifting that mindset, and working for yourself with this terminology instead of using that word for others. And that's why it's a bad word, because most of the time, our shoulds come from somebody else and not us. But before we really dive into this week's topic, I do have some housekeeping stuff to talk about. Something I really haven't taken the opportunity to do in previous episodes is to tell you guys what's available for you as far as additional resources beyond this podcast. Because hey, did you know that I am on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook under the ADHD Lady or the ADHD Lady's coaching services? But there's also the ADHDlady.org where I offer free printables and more. So be sure to check out my site for those resources as well as my coaching services. I have a lot of really great groups going on right now and coming up as well as some classes. So lots of great stuff on that site. Oh, and some blog posts too. And of course, go check me out on my socials, TikTok, constant tips and tricks being posted over there. Fun stuff. All right. So let's dive in. I should really go do those dishes. I guess I should go get a nice healthy salad. I should stop watching so much TV. Yeah, I should read more. Mm, Did any of those sound like you or something that you've said to yourself? I know the answer. You say should all day because ADHDers are constantly fighting with executive dysfunction. So when we know that we want to do something or we think that we're supposed to be doing something other than the thing that we're doing and we're fighting that executive dysfunction in our brain and that lack of task initiation, we sit there and we tell our brain, but I should do the dishes, but I should go make a salad. But that usually doesn't actually make our brain be able to do it. And there's a reason for that. Because we're trying to use should as some sort of intrinsic motivation. But the word should isn't enough to actually motivate our brains intrinsically. If we want to do that, we have to reframe friends. Sitting there and using the word should is not significant enough to motivate your brain. If it were, it would have worked by now. And you know what? There may have been a handful of times where shaming yourself really, really hard for what you should have been doing might have worked because maybe that shame led to the point of urgency. But the shame wasn't the thing that got you up and doing it. 
It was the urgency. So let me paint a picture. You have company coming over this weekend, and it's Monday. So you technically have the entire week to be working on the things around your house that you want to, to have it be at a level of presentation that you feel comfortable with. And as the week goes on and you get done with work every day and you come home and you're sitting on your couch and you're going, oh, I guess I really should go do those dishes. I really should vacuum. I should go clean the bathroom. And you should, and you should, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and then Friday, you should yourself one more time. And because you are finally at the night before the company is coming, you get up and do it. But you didn't get up and do it because you shamed yourself. No, it was because you reached the point of urgency where, oh crap, I have to get this done now because... I have less than 24 hours to basically clean my entire house top to bottom because my mother's coming over and she has certain expectations and oh my god, she's gonna yell at me. And no, most of our mothers wouldn't actually yell at us, but you know the look, the mom look where it's like, hmm, this could have been better. None of us want that look. So we do the 24-hour tidy because the cordrenaline has kicked in, friends. Oh, what's cordrenaline? Well, it's a fun word for the rush of cortisol and adrenaline working together to build up that urgency to get you to do that thing in that last-minute rush. You see, Monday through Friday, what's been happening with the chemicals in your body is that Cortisol, the stress chemical, has been building and building and building as you should yourself and you stress yourself out because the executive dysfunction is keeping you glued to the couch night after night and you're not able to self-motivate and initiate the tasks that you need to to prepare for your parents to be there on Saturday. And throughout that week then, that cortisol builds and builds and builds. Now friends, we all have cortisol. It is a normal chemical in our body. When cortisol is problematic is when there is too much. And a week of building and building and building that cortisol, yeah, that can get a little harmful. So then you're at the night before and you know, oh, yep, mom's going to give me the look. I got to go and get that bathroom cleaned. I got to go and vacuum and I'm going to stay up all night to do it. And because we finally reached the urgent peak, the adrenaline kicks in. And that cortisol and adrenaline work together for us to be able to surge and do the thing and then crash because that's not what adrenaline is supposed to be for. But because our brain is motivated by urgency, it doesn't always recognize that there are other things that we can put into place to help motivate it outside of the urgency. And that sense of urgency and stress buildup is what kicks on that adrenaline. The rush for you to be able to clean an entire house top to bottom in less than five hours, yeah, that's an adrenaline rush. And again, that's not what we're supposed to be using adrenaline for. Adrenaline is supposed to be for, you know, going into fight and flight, that our body has it on reserve to go lift a car off a baby or to flee from a bear. Yeah, that's a thing that people have had to do. But as ADHDers, our whole lives, we're using our adrenaline in different ways and then putting ourselves into various levels of adrenal fatigue. Hey, maybe your adrenal fatigue is just you feel a little burnt out the next day. But you can also go into legitimate adrenal fatigue and have other health consequences from using the chemicals in your body this way. This is not a thing that we're taught, though, especially if you're undiagnosed. 
But it's also not something that just ADHDers are taught even when they're diagnosed. I didn't learn this from my doctor or even my psychologist. I learned this from one of my ADHD trainings. I learned this from an HD autistic professor who was teaching the course on ADHD coaching. And this is knowledge that we should all have because our brain needing that urgency can actually cause harm. And there are other things that we do to ourselves that can also cause harm. I mean, the addictions that many ADHDers faced, they're not a walk in the park. There are some that are very extreme and incredibly harmful. And this is a very unfortunate piece of ADHD. This is part of the disability side, is that our brain can literally cause itself harm. Heck, <laughs> on the autistic side, even the way that I stim has actually caused damage to my body. Yeah, this is a little side tangent, but something that I have been sharing with the world. One of the ways that I stim is by clenching my jaw. It's an easy way for me to get sensory input in a hands-free capacity. I find that the times that I do this the most are when I'm laying in bed and scrolling on my phone or when I'm driving. Because when I'm scrolling on my phone, I have both hands on my phone and one finger is doing the swiping and the other hand is holding it. And when I'm driving, of course, both hands are on the wheel. To keep myself engaged in these activities, my body decided that clenching my jaw was going to be a way of providing myself some sort of sensory input. And I have clenched for years. And actually, I didn't even know I was doing it for a very long time. And it's funny because the way that I do it too isn't even that my teeth are up clenched against each other and I'm not like grinding my teeth. I'm just tightening all the muscles in my jaw area. And sometimes I sit there and I like shove my tongue onto the roof of my mouth. So all of those muscles are activated and engaged and that's giving me sensory input. And it gave me TMJ. And the TMJ has now resulted in hearing loss. Yes, friends, I am going deaf in my right ear because I have been stimming in a harmful way. And for reasons like that, that is why these developmental disorders are called disabilities. Because, yes, there are other ways that it gives us disadvantages, other struggles that it gives us, but there are also struggles that we face because of these disorders that can cause harm to ourselves, that our brain is seeking something else out and that something else that it's seeking hurts us. And that's our brain choosing that thing. And sometimes, like in my scenario with the stimming, it's a completely unconscious thing. So I share this because friends, if you are a teeth grinder, if you're a clencher, start trying to find another way to put in that sensory input especially in those activities that, you know, you recognize that you're doing it in the most. So what I do now is I always have a fidget toy and I don't scroll with two hands. I have a fidget toy in one and I swipe and scroll with a single hand on the other side. And when I'm driving, I actually bought this like disc thing that sits on my driver's seat so that I am getting constant sensory input while I'm driving so that I'm not going to clenching because I don't need to lose more hearing. I'm trying not to, at least. <laughs> but yeah, our brains sometimes do things that don't wind up benefiting us in the long run. So utilizing urgency and adrenaline more so in this way that, hey, we're going to race the clock and get it done at the last minute, building up that continuous adrenal fatigue can have damaging effects on our body. And that's why it is so important to utilize the other things that our brains are motivated by, like novelty, like challenge, 
like interest, but also teaching our brain how to be intrinsically motivated. And this means that we need to shift our shoulds. And there's two different ways that we can do this. One is shifting the actual should to be less black and white. So instead of, I should always be on time, that makes it seem like if you're not on time, then you're doing something bad. That makes it very black and white using the should in that capacity. So a way to shift that should would be to look at it as the preference that's underlying. So instead of, I should always be on time, shifting it to, well, I prefer to be on time because that leaves room for error. That leaves room for inconsistency. That gives a gray area. And as all or nothing thinkers, we don't often make space for the gray area in between. But making space for that gray area can actually give us room to break that perfectionism and to feel a little bit better about ourselves. Because again, It's not the shame that's getting it done, friends. That's not the thing that works. So when you find that your shoulds are putting yourself into all or nothing, that are making it too black and white and rigid, what we need to do instead is look at why. Well, why do I feel that it should be this way? Why do I feel like I should be busy all the time? Oh, well... Because actually, I I find that I feel restless when I'm not constantly moving. Hmm. That's an altered belief. It can be really helpful to move our shoulds to these types of altered beliefs. So instead of, I should be busy all the time as black and white, if I'm not busy, then I'm a failure. No, we look at the altered belief, which is, well, I feel restless when I'm not busy. Ah, so that's why we want to be constantly moving, because that hyperactivity is building up and it needs an outlet. Okay, well, that also leaves room, though, for us to sit and take a break without feeling like, hey, I'm a piece of crap for doing this. Because newsflash, you're not. Just in case you haven't told yourself that today, I'm saying it for you. You are not a piece of crap. You're amazing. And I'm so happy you're here. Let's keep moving. Let's talk about finding our why. Okay, so we have this idea of like shifting the shoulds to an altered belief. Great. But how do I even find the altered belief? Well, one thing we can do is find where the should is coming from. Is the should motivated by you or is it someone else's or just society in general's voice? What I mean is, when you say to yourself, I should spend more time doing housework, is the motivation behind that should coming from you and you thinking that, you know what, I feel a lot better when my house is at a certain level of cleanliness or... Is the should coming from, I don't know, maybe your mom and her expectations of what she thinks a house is supposed to look like? And if that's where the should's coming from, it's not a good enough should because it's not enough to intrinsically motivate you. The thing that will motivate you with that is when your mom is coming over and you are at the urgent point where, oh crap, she'll be here soon. I can start cleaning now. That's not a good enough reason for our brain to go through the executive functioning that it takes to clean our home. But shifting that to, I feel better when my house is clean. And looking at the positive outcome of the various chores around the home, or as I like to call them, care tasks. Yeah, that's going to be a lot easier to motivate our brain with. Reminding it of, hey, Remember how good it felt to have a completely clear countertop to go and cook that HelloFresh meal with? And then your brain's going to go, oh yeah, that was so much easier than 
trying to prepare stuff on like that little itty bitty square of counter space. And that is going to help your brain be able to do more of what you want to do because we're starting to teach our brain intrinsic motivation, internal motivation, motivation coming from us and not somebody else. Let's talk about another should. Here's one of my shoulds that I've battled against. And this should is a little wonky. Oh, well, I should get to the gym more or sign up for some workout classes. Okay, so the reason I say that this is wonky is because a lot of the motivation is intrinsic. A lot of it is me knowing the science, knowing that my brain, my body, they benefit from me moving my body. I have EDS, I need to strength train, otherwise I am just going to be a sack of very loose cortisol and loose joints that are in constant pain if I am not building some sort of muscle tone to add stability. And I'm also an ADHDer, and exercise is a really good, healthy way to provide my brain some dopamine. And I'm not medicated, so wherever I can provide that dopamine from a positive resource instead of something that is harmful like you know, one of those addictive substances like caffeine or alcohol or sugar or even screen time. Yeah, it's a lot better for my brain to get it from the healthy source. Exercise is that for me. But the wonky piece to this is me wanting to exercise, especially in the past, has also had a little bit of socially prescribed perfectionism. You know, that I'm a woman, so I should look a certain way to be considered attractive. Heck, that socially prescribed perfectionism gave me enough anxiety that when the urgency came from my marriage ending, oh my God, the urgency was I have to find a new partner. So that urgency built up, kicked in, got me to the gym, but it didn't keep me at the gym because when I found my new partner and then COVID hit, There wasn't a good enough reason remaining for me to do all of those workouts at home because I didn't have intrinsic motivation for that. My motivation was coming from an external should, that I should look a certain way to be seen as desirable. Also, my partner, (laughs) bless him, he told me, he's like, honey, I don't care if you get fat because that's not the reason I love you. The reason I love you is because of who you are which then took away any other kind of urgency that my brain was relying on (laughs) to do the workouts. Part of the reason I worked out during my marriage was because I was worried that he was going to leave for somebody else. And working out didn't matter because he did it anyway. (laughs) So I need to shift those shoulds to find my own internal intrinsic motivation that is going to keep me actually moving towards the goal. So screw the perfectionism, screw the idea that I have to look a certain way to be desirable. I have to look a certain way to be accepted. That's not my should. That's not something that I actually care about when it really comes down to it. What I care about is how I feel. What I care about is how my brain works. And those are the whys that get me to exercise now regularly in my home. Because the other piece of this is not just finding the why, but finding the how that meets our reality. 
my reality is that I am a susceptible person as seen by my COVID experience over the holidays. So going to a gym is not a realistic expectation for me at this time. So what are my other options? Well, I also have a very full schedule, so that means that, hey, I'm going to have to work out at home. Ooh, and you know why home workouts have always been a challenge for me? One, the gym has a layer of accountability because in my brain, someone was always watching me, even though no one gave a crap about what I was doing at the gym. But I still felt that pressure and that helped for me to actually sit there and get like a really intensive workout in. The other thing was a sensory piece. So I don't like being sweaty because I don't like to feel wet when I'm not supposed to. I've talked about this on a previous episode. You know, I'm, I'm fine with showering and going in the pool because I'm doing that intentionally. I'm giving my mind and body the chance to prepare for that sensory experience. But getting sweaty and having that drip all over my body, if I don't have to do that, I really don't want to do that. And at the gym, the accountability piece helped me to overcome the sensory piece. At home, when I've tried home workouts in the past before finding the intrinsic motivation to help me push through, when I started to sweat and the workout got hard, that's when the workout stopped. And then it really didn't serve the purpose that I was trying to have it serve because I stopped the strength training in its tracks. So I have to be realistic about where I'm at. And where I'm at is I can't go to the gym. I need to work out at home. Working out at home is going to be the best solution for my schedule and my other needs at this time. And something else that I need to bear in mind is that, yes, there is a sensory component. And if I get sweaty, that's okay. There are things that I can do to help counteract that, like use cooling towels and a little personal fan that I have. And hey, I can also just mentally prepare for getting sweaty before my workout, like I do when I'm about to go in a pool. And if I need an accountability buddy for additional motivation, I know that now I have an incredible partner who would very happily sit there with me while I was doing the workout. He'd body double and cheer me on, and has done this as I've done for him. Also, just a side note, it is so freeing to find a partner who doesn't place tons of importance on your looks. He still finds me beautiful and incredibly attractive, doesn't sit there and squeeze my stomach and ask when I'm going to get rid of it. So the support that he provides is actually genuine love and support, and that's so much better a motivator too. So I can use all of these things working together, the sensory prep work, the working from home, the accountability buddy, and the intrinsic motivation all together to meet myself where I'm at. And the thing that makes me do it every other day is the intrinsic motivation, my why. That, hey, I am exercising because this is good for my body and my mind, and I like how I feel when I'm strong, and I like how my brain works after I've done a workout. And that why becomes the altered belief. So instead of I should work out, I prefer to work out because I see the benefits that it provides me. Shifting your shoulds is a really helpful tool for finding a different way to motivate yourself to get the thing done. Because we don't have to eliminate the word should from our vocabulary entirely, but we do need to make sure that the shoulds that we're placing on ourselves are from us. I should spend more time doing housework, according to generations of women before me. 
but my reality is I spend enough time doing housework and that my baseline goals for the cleanliness of my home are met really consistently now. And those baselines are, can you sit on my couch? Can I give you something to drink? Yeah, the couch is clear. The dishes are clean. There might be some stuff piled on my coffee table. But for my reality, that doesn't hurt anybody. It may not look like what generations before me have wanted their house to look like in order to receive company, but their shoulds aren't a good enough reason for my brain to want to do it. The shoulds need to come from me. One should that I really dove into my why on that was a self-motivated should entirely wasn't something that had like that external perfectionism kind of working against it a little bit too. You know, like the whole workout thing that I was just talking about. One of my own personal shoulds, that's a should that I've held on to, is I should read more for pleasure. I still worked on finding my why with this one because I wanted to shift it to an altered belief instead of using the word should. I can because it's a me should and not a somebody else should, but the altered belief, like I said, takes it out of that black and white and puts it into the gray area that leaves room for error. And by finding the why and meeting my reality of, yeah, my time is limited, but I really do enjoy reading for pleasure and it's not something I've had an opportunity to do for a while how can I make this meet me where I'm at? That led to some problem solving that made me recognize that, hey, audiobooks are a thing that I don't put enough stock in. They're a really great solution for me wanting to read more for pleasure, but not having the time or energy or space to physically sit my body down and open a book. And do you know that meeting myself where I'm at this past year, I have completed more books than I have in nearly a decade because the should was self-motivated and the reality was that I wasn't meeting myself where I needed to. As soon as I shifted how I was reading and recognizing that audiobooks are reading too, the completion rate for what I was reading skyrocketed. And actually, it has led to space for me to actually sit and crack open a physical book too. So it is time to shift those shoulds, meet yourselves where you're at, and release what other people want you to do. Because that's part of finding accommodations for ourselves is figuring out what we want and what we need. Be kind to yourself and meet yourself where you're at. All right, friends, that is it for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. And as usual, if you have any other questions or concerns or interest in coaching, reach out on my website, theadhdlady.org. And don't forget to push that subscribe button over there so that you get notifications for when the next episode's coming out. And if you wanted to leave a review too, that'd be awesome. But for today, this is your host, Amanda, signing off.